Hey, we kicked off a new series last week called um, Hope Wars, and really last week was just an introductory message to, um, to this series. And basically, we just highlighted hope is an essential part of, of our human makeup. And in fact, there is a war for hope in our society. And the main premise of, of this series that we're going to kind of keep coming back to is this, is that the group or individuals who have the most hope will have the most influence. And the people with the most influence, their message will prevail. And so City Lights Church, uh, all, in fact, all the churches here in Greeley in Northern Colorado, they have, uh, I want their message to prevail. If you're a Christian, I want your message to prevail. I want you to be a person of influence if you're a Christian. And so I have a vested interest in seeing to it that you are a person of influence. And one of the ways we can do that is by being people of hope because the world needs hope and hopeful people are magnetic. And so... Um, I, I, I skipped something in my notes. Well, actually, I forgot to mention my notes last week, and I just want to circle around, uh, back around to it. Um, I talked about the laws of attraction when I was talking about hope and, you know, uh, what is attractive. Attractive is cool, confident, in control, um, optimistic, hopeful. Those are, those are attractive people, magnetic people. And then I said, well, what is unattractive? And unfortunately, needy, clingy, insecure, and unfortunately, depressed, heavy, sad can, can be unattractive. What I, meant, what I meant to say after that, I had this thing in my notes that said disclaimer, and I didn't say the disclaimer. I just want to say disclaimer. By the way, if you are depressed, heavy, sad, I just want to say that is, not a, that is not a judgment or a sentence on you. If you're here and you're walking through something, like I totally have empathy, sympathy for that, and we want to help change your trajectory um, so that you would be a person of hope. And, so, and this is the place to be if you need hope. It's, a, it's okay not to be okay here. Um, but we want to we wanna help change um, trajectory for you. So, and, <laughs> um, but we all have those days. Um, some people have seasons like that where, where they're down, depressed, heavy, sad. And it's, it's not, it's, it's okay. Like we just want to help you get through that. In fact, this last week I had a, I had a couple days where I was like, I don't know what it was. I, I'm, I'm usually a pretty happy, upbeat person. I have like a couple of days where I was kind of just moping around and sad. I don't know what was going on. Finally, my wife was like, she got in my face and she's like, what is your problem? And I'm like, oh, you know, down. And she's like, you need to suck. She literally says, you need to suck it up. <laughs> and listen, sometimes when you're in that state, sometimes you just need a hug and need someone to cry with you, right? Hold you while you cry. Other times, there are times you just need someone to tell you to suck it up, you know? <laughs> And um, it takes relationship with God to no difference because you could really hurt someone if you do the wrong one. So um, make sure you're following the Holy Spirit in that. So um, uh, go ahead and put that, that picture up, sir, JD. This was our, we're talking about hope. This is kind of the biblical image of hope. Um, we have this, this idea of hope in, in, in our Western culture, the way we talk about hope. It's kind of like a wish, a pipe dream, or maybe, I hope. Um, but biblical hope is actually the um, eager anticipation of a good outcome. It's, it's a knowing. It's an anticipation of a good outcome. And so this is, this is to me, a good model, a good picture of hope. These, these bears, are not, they have eager expectation of a good outcome. And if you have the kind of hope that Jesus gives, you can have the kind of hope that God gives, this is how we can live our lives, so eager anticipation of a good outcome. So that's our, that's our model of biblical hope. Amen. All right, so I, to, to kind of help me with this um, s- series and this sermon, I, I asked the question um, on Facebook the other day, 
I just said, I'm kind of just curious where people are at. What is, what is your highest level of hope? What is your, your lowest level of hope? Where, where are people at? And so I had a lot of, I had a lot of good responses, um, just kind of helped me gauge where people are at. And so um, the top, here were the top hopefuls. I won't go through them all, but the top hopefuls were this. Um, six people said they're hopeful that they're going to have a good future. And um, so that's good. And then the next um, four were tied with four people said this. Um, so uh, the next one was physical healing. People, people are optimistic, hopeful about that. Finances. So this isn't where people are at. They're not currently in the state they want to be, but they're hopeful that it'll be there. Um, finances, healing, um, fulfilling God's destiny, and career were areas that people felt hopeful that God was going to come through and God was going to lead them in the right direction. And the least hopefuls were this. Um, the top of the list, most people were um, hopeless um, about, number one was family situations. So the, that was the, num- the top one. Whatever family situations, people who have drifted from the Lord, family members that have you know, um, walked away from the Lord or um, substance abuse or those kind of things, um, um, people were, that was a, that was a top one. Um, singleness, finding a mate was a, was a top a hopeless situation for people. Um, the state of the nation, evil in the world, politics and politicians was a, was a top one for people. Um, and then some people actually, job situations circled back around. And so, um, I, yeah, that helps me because I want to I wanna do messages that kind of speak to those things and help people where they're at. Where is the, you know, it's, it's like when you, when you go to the doctor and you have a, you know, your arm hurts this is the arm that hurts. You don't show them this arm because there's nothing wrong with that arm, right? And it's like, where is the place of your greatest pain? Like, that's where you need to come and let the physician look at it and let him fix you. And so I'm kind of asking, like, where's the place of people's greatest pain? Where's the area that we can help people in the most? And so, um, and I'll give you mine, actually. Um, I want to lead with vulnerability here. So um, my top hopeful was, I'm actually very hopeful about what God's doing uh, here at City Lights Church. Um, that, was my, that was my top hope. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than um, me and Emily, and God's doing something amazing here. Uh, my, my least hopeful area was this. Um, my, my wife has um, struggled with um, endometriosis for the last, um, for, for quite a while. And um, because of a blood clot she had when she was much younger, um, there's, there's, she's limited in a lot of the medications they can give her. So there's a lot of things she, they could do for her, um, but they won't give her certain medications because of a blood clot she had. She's had surgery for this, and it was better for a while, and then it, and then it got worse again. And so it's been a real, it's been a real discouraging thing in our lives. And, um, um, it, it, and it puts, it, I know it's worse for her because it's debilitating pain that she has. Um, and, when, and when it comes on, it's like terrible. She's like laid up for days. We've, I've, we've gone on vacations where she'll have an episode of this and she's in debilitating, it's like stabbing pains and she has to like lay in bed or lay on the couch. We get her blanket and some food and the kids and I are like, I guess we'll go hike or we'll go to the pool. Like, it's really, it's really sad. Um, but and, in fact, and we have a daughter who's, who's autistic um, and that's been a big trial. She, our oldest daughter is artistic. Um, but honestly, that's not my least hopeful area because when my wife and I are a united front, it's like I feel like we can accomplish and tackle anything. But man, when she's down and out, it's like that's when the world seems to like, be really heavy for us. So, um, but I will say this. I've, seen, I've probably seen more testimonies about healing from autism than I've seen for healing of endometriosis. So maybe we just need to search out and find more healing testimonies of endometriosis. But we believe God is a healing God. I've seen miracles. I've witnessed miracles. I've experienced miracles. 
And as, as a church, we believe that God's going to move on your behalf and my behalf. And I just, want, I just want to say that up front because it's not like, I don't know, I think sometimes people think the pastor, the leader, the preacher is like, oh, he's, he's preaching these good things, but he's not going through anything. Like, we, we definitely go through things. We have our trials. So we go through stuff. So, um, but anyway, I want to talk to you today. Last week, I talked about kind of what hope is and what hope does. And, um, but this week, it was kind of a flower. This week, I want to talk about actually how to have more hope, how to, how to get more hope. And so um, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. How do we possess more hope? All right. I want to say that um, the, so, the source of hope, let's go ahead and put that scripture up. Yeah, you got it up there. This is an awesome verse. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I'll read the second part in a, in a minute. But we have this hope as an anchor for our, our souls, firm and secure. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? Our mind, will, and emotions can be, can be tossed all over the place. But when we have this anchor, um, this hope as an anchor for our soul, it actually anchors, our, anchors us, anchors our mind, will, and emotions. I've got an illustration with me today. I brought, I brought an anchor. We're going to talk about this hope as an anchor, and it anchors us. When our mind, will, and emotions want to go this way because I'm in, I have this hard situation that I'm going through, we want to be tossed to and fro. Our mind, will, and emotions are going crazy. There's an, there's an anchor. The Bible talks about an anchor that we can have that, that keeps us from going all over the place, our mind, will, and emotions. Um, so I'm going to talk about this. Okay, so... Um, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And what is this, what is this hope? Um, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Okay, so a lot of you know what that's talking about. And for those of you who don't, I'll just explain that real quick. In the Old Testament, um, God commanded Moses to build something called the tabernacle. Everyone say tabernacle. I like making big groups of people say tabernacle. I say tabber, you say knackle. Tabber. Tabber. I know. <laughs> All right, tabernacle. That's a funny word. It's like, I don't know. Anyway, God commanded Moses to build this thing called the tabernacle. He wanted to be with his people, but it wasn't time yet for Jesus to come to this world, die on the cross for our sins. Of course, when Jesus sets up camp in our hearts, he lives within us. In, in the Old Testament, people weren't indwelt by God, but they had a place where God could come. We had a place where God could, could dwell. So they brought their... Um, they brought their um, sacrifices because um, they had to make atonement for themselves. So the, they sacrificed the, the, the blood of bulls and goats. They made sacrifice and they offered those to God. And then there was a place in the tabernacle. There was an outer court where the sacrifices were. There was an inner court and then the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was the place where the presence of God dwelt. And so in, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about this. There's a tabernacle in heaven. And actually the one that Moses made here on earth was a pattern of one in heaven. By the way, the book of Hebrews is loaded. It's one of my, one of my favorite books. Um, <clears throat> um, you need to go read it sometime. But the book, um, the tabernacle was a pattern of one in heaven. And it's, the Bible says that Jesus himself, when he offered himself as our sacrifice, he himself took, went into heaven with his own blood and offered his own blood on our behalf. He entered behind the curtain, in, behind the Holy of Holies in heaven, and literally himself was our atoning sacrifice, but not just covered over our sins, but washed away our sins once and for all. That's good news right there. And so 
it says here, Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in, or, in the order of Melchizedek. I'm not going to talk about Melchizedek right now. So, but he's, been our high, he's become, Jesus has become our high priest forever. The anchor that I'm talking about actually is Jesus. Jesus on our behalf has gone into heaven and offered himself, and he is firm and secure in heaven on our behalf. The Bible says that we are, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. But wait a minute, I thought he lived in my heart. Wait, where is Jesus? Is he there? Is he here? Yes, he's both. <laughs> He is literally in heaven, but, but through the person of the Holy Spirit, he dwells our hearts. And so um, it says that we're, because we're in him and he's in us, right? So we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, and we're anchored in heaven with Jesus. And this is an anchor for our soul. If you get this revelation, you get this idea, if you understand who you are, this actually can become an anchor for you in life. So when the, the winds of family situations come, they don't pull you off. You have this anchor that holds you. Um, when singleness, the, just the, the, the season of singleness or the state of the nation or the evil in the world or politicians making dumb choices, polls, you have an anchor, right? You have an anchor in heaven. It doesn't pull you all over the place. When your job situation is messed up, you get fired or, or you're concerned about the future of your children in today's society, you have an anchor that keeps your mind, will, and emotions from going all over the place. You're anchored in hope. So our hope, the hope that we have uh, we're talking about hope, and we can hope in a lot of things here on earth. And I, by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a hope for this or that or the other thing here on earth. I think God is so engaged with our everyday life. But the ultimate hope is in heaven. And so the anchor is actually, the anchor that we're actually anchored to is in heaven. And if you don't have that anchor, you really have no anchor. There's really no foundation that you're standing on. But if you're anchored to that, if you're anchored to Jesus, if you know who you are in Jesus, then he will keep you from being tossed from and fro, to and fro. So this is how, in the, hear me, in the midst of circumstances, this is how we can walk without being tossed all around. We know that we're anchored in heaven. But I want to take it one step further, and I want to talk about how not only are we anchored in heaven with Jesus to keep us from going all over the place, I want to talk about what it looks like to live a victorious life where we can actually see God's grace and see God's power move on behalf in our lives and to speak to the individual things in our lives. I'm going to... Um, so we're going to go there. Romans chapter seven, uh, 5, verse 17. I keep saying, like, this verse is my favorite. This book is my favorite. This is actually one of my favorite verses as well. Uh, in fact, I, I love the book of Romans, and I really love Romans 5. Um, this is such a loaded um, chapter. But Romans five seventeen, it says this, For by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. That's talking about Adam. When Adam came, Adam was um, born or created into the world. And when Adam and Eve sinned, sin came into the world. So death reigned through the one man, Adam, right? You guys all get that? And, and death through sin and sin, destruction, all that stuff came in the world because of one man's choice, Adam. But check this out. It says, if, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more? Everybody say how much more. How much more? I just love that so much. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Reign in life. Come on, you guys. That is good stuff right there. So many Christians, we think that like our, our job on earth is just to like get by and just hunker down and get a bomb shelter until Jesus comes and rescues us. Okay? That is not a picture of a victorious bride. I just want to say that. And I just have this picture of like there's, there's a church 
that is so full of the Spirit, so full of power, such overcoming, that Jesus comes back and we're like, we're not even ready for you yet. I'm not done here, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but listen, we're not here on earth just to like, just to squeeze by. We're here to give the devil hell, right? And so many people are living their lives hiding from the devil. It's like, no, you're here to terrorize the devil. And so there's something called reigning in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. And we want to be that. We want to be this victorious. We can be victorious in this now. It's not just for eternity. So reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Okay, so I want to talk about more about anchor, anchoring. So the gift of righteousness is actually something that anchors us in him. And you need to understand righteousness. Um, right, righteousness is our right standing with God. It's our right relationship. We're in right relationship with God. We're in right proximity to God. And I don't know if you know this, but the Bible never talks about growing in righteousness. It doesn't talk about growing in righteousness. It talks about growing in faith. It talks about growing in love. It talks about growing in hope. It talks about growing in grace. The, the Bible talks about a sanctification process, the personal holiness, the Holy Spirit working in us and changing us. It talks about growing in that, but it never talks about growing in righteousness. Now, why is that? Because our righteousness is in Jesus. And Jesus isn't all over the place. His righteousness is firm and secure. And so you are as righteous on the day that you get saved, the day you receive Jesus. For those of you that receive Jesus today, you're as righteous today in right relationship, right standing with God as you will be on the day you die. You're as righteous today as me or Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, right? And hear me, this is not heresy what I'm about to say, okay? It's in the Bible, I promise you. You are as righteous as Jesus. The righteousness that you possess is, is the righteousness of Jesus. He gave it to you. And so, you know, I imagine a, you know, a, a woman who gets a gift for Valentine's Day. She gets a necklace of pearls or whatever. Do people still do pearls? Is that like a, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> and she's like, no, I don't want to put that on. It's, it's, too, it's too much for me or whatever. You know, imagine not putting on something. It's made for you. Like, try it on. Try the righteousness of God on. Like, live it. Like, it, it looks good on you. Be righteous. Come on. It's the right standing, the right relationship with God. Jesus did it for you. It's not up to you. If you receive Jesus, he just, he makes you righteous. And so let, I feel like I should probably give a scripture to back this up. Otherwise, we will have people leave thinking I'm a, a heresy teacher. One, one Corinthians um, 130 says this. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Okay? So there's this immovable object. If you're a Christian, there's, an in, there's well, really two immovable objects. Jesus, who is in heaven, he did, it, he did it on behalf. He offered his own blood. We're in him. And if he's not, he's not moving, we're not moving. And our righteousness is in Jesus. So there's this immovable object. And so I want to illustrate more than, more than like, Let's get through life, and the best I can hope for is that my emotions won't be like tossed to and fro when my finances are messed up or my job situation's messed up. More than that, how can we take this hope that we have in Jesus, and how can we actually, how can we actually reach over and grab a hold of that family situation, that person who has no hope, and pull them over into hope? Yeah. I, I believe that's what this is. Reigning in life isn't just understanding that we, we have hope someday. Well, we do, you know, thank God for everlasting life. 
And by the way, when you go to a funeral, we read scriptures on everlasting life and this person's in a better place. It's awesome. That's totally comforting. And I thank God for everlasting life. When there's something messed up that happens in this world, I'm like, man, Jesus, you need to come back and just return and fix this. I get it. Like, I understand that sometimes it's just really discouraging. But um, I believe that this is what the victorious life looks like. It, it says, I'm just going to reference this, Romans 5.17. It says, um, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness? There's something about the, the combination of God's grace in our lives and knowing that we're rooted in God's righteousness. I believe when we, when we have the operation of grace in our lives, and by the way, grace isn't just, grace isn't just God's ability to like overlook the bad things you did. It is that, thank, thank God, that he's gracious to us and he, he has mercy towards us and he overlooks and he, he, he forgives, right? That's grace. But another definition of grace, and it's all throughout the New Testament, if you look up the word grace, it's actually the, the, the divine influence on the human heart. And the Apostle Paul actually uses the word grace many times, in many places, Paul uses the word grace. It's almost synonymous with like power. I've been given grace to be an apostle, is what, what he'll say. Or I have a grace to do this, a grace to do that. Well, it's, it's almost like I've received a, a power, an ability, an authority to do this. And so when we, when we combine the grace, the operation of God's divine influence on our hearts, and knowing that we're rooted in Christ Jesus, I believe the victorious life looks like this. There's a family situation. I'm rooted in him. I'm not going to be messed up by it. Rather than that, I'm going to, I'm going to grab, I'm going to take the hope I have because I'm overflowing in hope. And I'm going to grab this person by the hand and I'm going to pull them towards hope. And or, or if you're going through uh, singleness, you're navigating singleness, you, can, you have hope, but you're also going to grab a hold of that encouragement that you need to live victorious now. The state of our nation, evil in the world, come on, guys. Like the church is... Is we, Jesus is the hope of the world. The church is the hope in the world. And so, listen, we, we had another um, atrocity this week, of another school shooting, um, which is terrible. But I'm, listen, I'm looking, and, and a lot of people think there's no hope for that. It's like, um, and, and no one can agree. It's like, do we get rid of all the guns or do we arm everyone? Listen, I'm waiting for the person to come with the creative idea, the creative solution to step in Someone who, who gets a divine idea from the Lord and says, you know what, maybe there's an answer that doesn't involve taking away everyone's guns and, you know, keeps everyone safe. Like, come on. I'm waiting for that person to come in. I actually have hope. I do have hope for that situation. I have a lot of hope for that situation in America. Um, my wife has tremendous hope for the country of North Korea. She just has a, this, I don't know what it is. She has this thing. She loves North Korea, prays for North Korea. She has a hope. And this is what she's doing. She's taking the hope she has and she's praying for North Korea. And she wants to get involved with North Korea, and she wants to take the hope she has and pull North Korea over into that hope. We can pull our country over into our hope. Amen? <laughs> so good. So I want you guys to, to see this anchor, Jesus, that we have. It's not just a way for you to, not, to, to be okay, like a way to get through life without being messed up all the time. I want you to see the anchor that you have in him that we're rooted in heaven as a way to actually bring transformation to this world. It's good stuff right there. So, um, man, come on. I'm going to pray. That's really all I got. I don't know if I'm good at landing the plane. <laughs> we got it off the ground, okay. <clears throat> all right, just illustrate a little more. Uh, Listen, this is, this is the list on Facebook of, of people's hopelessness. Loneliness was a, a big one. Um, people who are stuck in substance abuse, sexual addictions, 
unfulfilled potential, people who are hopeless about learning something new, infertility, not able to get pregnant, um, focusing on their own mistakes and immaturity, people's assumptions about you, self-doubt, being stuck, feeling abandoned while, um, uh, by people, depression, um, God seems slow to move on behalf, um, men are stalled out in our country, um, getting your health back, some people are just hopeless about that, finding fulfillment and true joy and peace, and being a stay-at-home mom, someone was discouraged about that, broken marriages, I put this in here, D- District 6 school district, how hopeful are we about that, come on. I'm hopeful for it. Um, Future for children in today's society. Job situations. And I mentioned the others already. I want to suggest to you that the hope that we have is not just enough. It's not just to keep us from freaking out in life and getting through. The hope we have is something we can grab, we can take hold of and grab a hold of those people, those situations, and we can pull people into hope. And listen, we're not, not everyone's called to North Korea to pray for North Korea, to believe for North Korea. Not everyone's called to like influence District 6 or to make changes in certain areas. But I just want to say, you are here to bring heaven in some way. You are here to release. If you're, in, if you're a Christian, there is something that God has for you. So I don't want, to, I don't want you to leave here thinking, i got to conjure something up and you know, get busy doing something. I just, want, I just want to suggest to you that follow the voice of the Holy Spirit and say, God, I am the creative solution in this world for something. I'm the creative solution to bring breakthrough for somebody. And you need to see yourself like that. So I just want to pray over you and release that over you. Father, I thank you for every individual in this room, Lord God. And I ask God that the hope that we have in heaven, God, it's the one true and only hope is in Jesus. And I, but God, I declare as we, as we hang on, as we lay hold of that hope, the one true hope in heaven, God, that we would not only be able to get through life, God, we'd be able to be more than conquerors. We would reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus, who came and entered heaven on our behalf, offered his own blood and went behind the curtain, is in the very presence of God, and we are in Christ Jesus. So Lord, I just bless and I release a grace over this church to be overcomers and conquerors. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.